This is Scaring is Sharing. It is the place for sure scares. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to match you like I tried to, but it just, it made me sound like I don't know what. You sounded like a uh, cookie monster or something. I did, for a I did. But he is a monster. I mean, it's they a are monsters. title. But anyway, this is the place where we share our scares with each other and you. We talk about horror movies, horror things, other things. We talk about it all and come here to share. I am your one of your hosts, Jeremy Rusk, the original Sasquatch Slim. And I am one of your other hosts, Brandy Joe, the Flame and Scream Queen, Planback. So is it Scream Queen? Scream cream. <laughs> I'm your scream cream. Mm. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Sasquatch, because I mentioned I gave you a call out in Golden Girls last night. Was your brother there? Was Bert there? No, no, my brother uh, didn't come. It was uh uh my cousin Rodney came. Yes, and I yep. met him and, and, he and was my parents. Cool. Yep. Yep. He's we've gotten him in. Uh he recently moved back to the metro detroit area we're kind of jumping him into the theater scene now because he went to see sarah's show she directed and this show and now he's like what are we gonna go see next so he really wants to uh go to all the shows with us so it's wonderful that's fun but even as rose and the golden girls i gave jeremy slash sasquatch slim a little shout out in the show last night <laughs> yes and i was like my mom was like i know what that means she like <laughs> She was like, wait a minute when she heard that. So, and then when I, when I checked in too, like getting my ticket, uh, they were like, oh, you're Sasquatch Slim. When I oh said yeah, Rusk. Gretchen. <laughs> yeah, yep. Gretchen. When she was like, I listen Friend to you guys podcast. all the time. And I was like, yeah. So I got to meet her briefly. And yeah, Sarah, awesome. Sarah had come in ahead of us and, and she was like, oh, you're Sasquatch Slim's wife when she came in. So that's amazing. I love it. Speaking of Gretchen, she sent me a message. She listened to our podcast that came out yesterday where I talked about the death of disco. And there she told me that this podcast about it, which is called The Riot at Comiskey Park. And it's a mm. part of the American Scandal podcast. So I'm going to have to listen to that because I'm I'm utterly fascinated by that. And I'm not even big into disco, but I just I think that's just seems fascinating. Cool. Anyway, I was going to say Sesame Street. Sesame Street. I had that book, that classic children's book, The Monster at the End of This Book. Do you remember that one? Did you know no. of that one? No. It's been around for a long time. It was a kid's book, but it's Sesame Street. It's got Grover. You know, you go through and there's all these different kinds of monsters, but the monster at the end of the book is you. And there's a little reflective <gasps> thing. So oh, you see yourself. shit. So, that yeah. is a, that's the original M. Night Shyamalan. Right there. So I was like, I'm the monster. <laughs> I knew it. So I loved it as a kid. That's amazing. No, I never watched Sesame Street, although I did love Follow That Bird. Isn't that weird? Like that I weird. didn't watch Sesame Street, but yeah. I watched that. The movie. Like, yeah, I watched the movie. And doesn't he get like kidnapped or something? Yeah, it's, Big Bird gets kidnapped. That is dark. It was. I remember it being a pretty thrilling and intense movie, but <laughs> I loved it. And I, yeah, I watched Sesame Street all the time, so. Well, yeah, I just didn't. I, I'm, I, I love that it's still around and I love that they've evolved with the times mm -hmm. and that they, that there's 
characters of all representation on there. I love that like famous people still go on and do little bits on it. I, I just think that that's so cool that it has withstood the the test of time and mm -hmm. evolved to be ever um, in the moment. I think that's so cool. And I'm sort of yeah. sad I never watched it. I remember when I was in college, I think that's when R.E.M. was on there and they did a song with the <laughs> <laughs> they did their song shiny happy people but as what is it was it furry happy monsters fun on there and that was that's good stuff so that is good stuff so jeremy i know last week we were terragramless but this week we have two yeah we got some terragrams for y'all do you want to kick us off i will i will and so the first one is Subject line is short time listener, second time caller. Oh, I bet I know who that is. And it says, hello. Some of my earliest horror movies I can remember watching are the Alien Trilogy, Silence of the Lambs, and Bram Stoker's Dracula around Christmas time at my grandma's house. What movies do you like to watch around the holiday season but are not necessarily holiday themed? Stay spooky, Jenny. Jenny, thank you for writing back and for still listening. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you uh, you got hooked, apparently. Yeah, it's Jenny from the block. Ah, uh, that's that's a good question that I don't think I have any that like I watch around the holidays that aren't holiday related. I have been spreading the word of the original Black Christmas far and wide this year. I mean, I normally do all the time, but this Christmas season with all the new horror lovers I know in my life, I'm like, have you seen the original Black Christmas? You must watch it. So that is what I'll say there. But I can't think of mm -hmm. any non like holiday movies that I make sure to watch. I mean, I don't really have any traditions in general in regards mm -hmm. to horror movies, but I know you have some. Just, I mean, yeah, general I, traditions. I, yeah, I've got some weird specific ones too. But uh, most of mine are Halloween, like around Halloween though. Um, but it's funny, in her email there, she jogged my memory of, I have a similar thing with the Alien movies, at least the like, and I, I like that she said the Alien trilogy, because that's like, that's how I remember it too. I always think of the first three and then I'm like, yeah, and then there's like a bunch of extra ones now that are not from... Uh, uh, I think of those first three because that was my formative years was there was just the three movies. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I have a weird thing where I watch them around the holidays, too. Like, I always knew a lot of people, you know, visit those around Halloween time, of course, because scary movies. But for some reason, Alien to me was always an end of the year, like towards Christmas and New Year's thing. I would end up revisiting those. Uh, and I don't know why. I don't have any specific reason. It just kind of happened that way. I think it's because I kind of do... Um, the end of the year is where probably because vacation time and you have more time to sit down and devote to things. That's where I start getting into like the epics, if you will, like, OK, I'll watch this two and a half hour movie or this three hour movie because I have nothing to do today because I'm off all day. So yeah. I think that's part of it because those are all like Aliens is like a three hour movie, isn't is it? Is it? I think so. Or wow. Well, I think if you watch the director's cut and that's normally what I. That's the one that floats around most. It's like a over a two and a half hour movie. So my Lanta, mm -hmm. I have a couple of like, they're more acquaintances, like Facebook 
people that I've never even really met, but like, you know, that I we chat about horror and things like that. And there's a couple right now who have COVID who are like quarantining and I've just been giving them lists and lists and uh-huh. logins for my secret site. I'm like, here, go here. You can watch all these because I, someone mentioned watching stuff on Tubi and I was like, no, yeah, <laughs> you poor thing. No, uh, Tubi is a last resort. It's got commercials. commercials and the other problem with Tubi is it's not if you're watching on your TV at home, Tubi isn't in true high definition. Uh, yeah, that's no good. Yeah, no, it's it's in lower uh, resolution qualities. So. So I've been sharing the the gift of horror to get them through their time of quarantine. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is. I feel like in the last few weeks, more people than I've ever heard of are getting sick. So wear a mask if you can and get your booster shots because you know what? I want everyone to make it through this holiday season. Yeah, absolutely. I Well, I, well wait, no, it is a Christmas themed movie. I was going to say I thought of another one, but actually... It has Christmas in it, so that's why I watch it around Christmas time, but people tend to forget about it. Is Batman Returns, mm. which is hot take. Batman Returns is the best Batman movie. So at wow. me if you disagree, but I think it's the best one. It's the darkest and most twisted one. That's of course the one with Catwoman and Danny DeVito as the penguin. So it's oh it's it's wonderful. Yeah, you can have that. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. It's sick and twisted in all the right ways. That's the one that it like it plays almost like a uh, it's the closest to think a Batman movie's ever done to being a horror movie. Okay. Especially with the penguin. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, if other people have some, write to us, scaringandsharing at gmail.com, slide into our Insta, which is how we got our second telegram from front of the podcast, elite front of the podcast, teacher Drew. Who writes and says, hey guys, hopefully this doesn't sound rambling and incoherent. It's 4.30 a.m. I'm a unique combination of a night owl and a morning person. About episode 56. I love Brandy Joe's idea for a retelling of A Nightmare on Elm Street from the parents' point of view. It is bordering on genius. I say start crowdfunding today. And then that (laughs) little emoji with like the cool sunglasses. The premise of the Nightmare series has always struck a chord with me, perhaps because I suffer from night terrors as a youth. After all, how do you fight back while trapped in the nightmare? We had extra time off for Thanksgiving, so I kind of went hard with streaming. Among the things I watched, The Faculty, Nightmare 2, Freddy's Revenge, Censor, Tick Tick Boom, 10 Things I Hate About You, Pulse, Signs, a few obscure Japanese horror titles, and the first episode of the Korean Netflix series, Hellbound. Care to comment on any of these? Lastly, I wanted to thank you again for your podcast. I love that you're not pretentious when it comes to your opinions. Jeremy especially is not afraid to admit he likes a movie that might not be a classic or a critical darling, but just good fun. Till next time, love to you both, Teacher Drew in Phoenix. Oh, God. Teacher Drew, you're awesome. Makes me tear up every time. Yeah, he's so wonderful. I'm glad you've been on this ride with us all this time. Yes. So he mentioned Pulse, which I talked about last week. This this message from him came out um, like last week, so he hadn't quite heard this episode that came out just yesterday. Oh sure. So Pulse, yes, and I love. I've heard Tick Tick Boom is really good. I mean, not a horror film, but I did hear it was great. I'm gonna watch it. Has your wife made you watch that yet? No, we haven't. We haven't okay. jumped on that one yet. 
Sensor, I really wanted to like, and I may need to watch it again. I'm just, I, I don't know what I think of it, but I don't think it's in my top 10. And then Signs, I think we've talked about before. I love that one scene. There's like two small scenes that I like, but overall, I think it's kind of a trash movie. Mm -hmm. And I've heard Hellbound is good. Do you have any interest in watching that? I do. After I heard that, uh, you know, everyone raving about it and I was like, and who made it? It's the guy that did something, right? Yeah, it's that guy that did something. <laughs> He's He did something else we like, I think, or I like at least. It is the guy who did Train to Busan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's why I was interested in seeing it. I know that name started getting thrown around and I'm like, okay, I'm getting confused because Hellbound to me is Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Uh, totally. So, which is a fantastic underrated sequel i think people forget how i mean this looks is. like a fucking show right up your alley i mean you look at this like one image and it looks like monsters fighting in the street yeah like exactly the the like little preview i've seen on netflix i'm like oh i could check this out so i uh, haven't because i mean trying to busan is the fucking shit i don't yeah. know that we've talked about the faculty i feel briefly and that's I do, it i do like the faculty i Loved the faculty, but I've not seen it since I was like, you know, 10 years younger. It's been yeah, a long, it it's been a hot in the minute. Theater. Piper Laurie, love her, love Clea Duvall. And um, I think Jordana Brewster's in it. Is that right? We, oh, no, no, no. I did catch part of it. Uh, I was at Nick the Knife's house uh, a while back. And he had it on like while we were hanging out. So we watched part of it for a minute. But our one buddy was just like, man, that guy looks a lot like Elijah Wood. And oh, that is hilarious. We were like, that is Elijah Wood. Little baby like, no, Elijah. No way. And it's like, yeah, he was pretty young back then. And, and then the fact Newworth, that, and the fact that John, John Stewart is in it. Right. Isn't he one of the teachers? Yes. Because everyone forgets like, oh, yeah, he had an acting career before going to the you know the daily show <laughs> making that his main thing and john abrams who's in scary movie his name in the movie is fuck you boy so and then <laughs> right. there's a girl named summer phoenix plays fuck you girl <laughs> but, but i really want to revisit the faculty i've been seeing it float around on uh streaming sites somebody's got it so yeah, Clearly. from 1998, the year after I graduated from high school. That's yeah, so I remember, crazy. I remember loving that one. Uh, I had a couple others on that list. I was trying to jot things down because I have I have commentary on, uh, he said 10 things I hate about you. Yes. Uh, which is definitely like a nostalgia movie for me because that was big in high school. And I remember watching that. I don't like Julia Stiles, but I love her in that movie. Yeah. And that's uh, where she's best. My wife revisits that movie every so often. So I've seen it a few times uh, oh, recently. Yep. And good old Heath. You know, I miss him. Uh -huh. he, had some, he had some good stuff back then. We had some good times. Yeah. I like 10 things I hate about you. And I loved a Knight's Tale. Oh, I've, I've heard that's actually really good. But yeah, I've it got not. that's another one. There you go, teacher Drew. Good. Critics hated it when it came out, but I think it's a really fun movie if you go back and revisit it. It's really, you know, it wasn't meant to be taken serious. Yeah, I how he talks about how you're not afraid to admit you like a movie that might not be a, a darling or whatever. I mean, I feel like you kind of pride yourself on that. Yeah, it's a little bit my aesthetic is, it you is. know, it's a, it's I think part of it came with, you know, when we had Nick the Knife on, he and I talked about how we used to look for trash movies and we watched yep. too much Mystery Science Theater 3000 together. So we kind of fell into this aesthetic of like, 
I want to go off the the beaten path and find the weird shit nobody gives a crap about. And and then it was also, it came out of my uh, college experience since I was a film major and doing the film classes and especially taking film theory courses where you fall into like critical analysis of movies. And I, I, I am an obstinate person. I am a contrarian when you start getting into debates on these things so you know everyone would revere certain movies and I always liked to be the one that was like is it really that good though like what about this part or this and then movies that people just took as a matter of fact were crappy I'm like but doesn't this have some redeeming value so I was always that guy it's interesting because as someone who studied film you would think you wouldn't like those trash movies as much like you could go either way but generally I would think the person in your shoes would go the way of like I am not going near that movie yeah a lot of kids were like that in those courses but for some reason I think I just had enough exposure uh to you know, like outsider, I call it outsider art, like John Waters or somebody like that, where I'm like, but isn't this also art? Like art doesn't have to have a rigid definition and it can totally. expand to your, so I, I was, you know, I, I, I knew enough weird stuff. I'd listen to enough punk rock in high school to realize like, you don't actually have to be good at something like technically to be able to make something worthwhile. So. Well, I think that that's very cool. And I, I would like to be more open-minded in that way. I just generally, like, if I don't like something within the first 10 or 15 minutes, I'd rather not. But when you assign it to me, I, I will. You have to, yeah. <laughs> Pre- pretension, pretension, especially about, like, creative things. I feel like it's so just elitist and, you know, it cuts certain people out of the narrative that I think is not cool. I want to hear from everybody. I want everybody's opinion. And it's, a, I was reading this article called, are you even a horror fan? And it's on toxic fandom and gatekeeping in the world of horror. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Did you read that article? No, but I, I've seen like similar ideas with other fandoms. Yeah. And... It's on bloody disgusting. And, and it's very interesting. They talk about how it's usually men who are those like people. And it's of course, I mean like social media, like trolling, like that's the, kind of people that they are are people that like you know behind their computer they'll like turn into raging asshole to somebody but in person they probably would never say anything no but like the and i agree with that i mean there are times when someone says like oh i really like the nightmare on elm street remake and i'm like oh god but for me, it's not like I know what horror is and you don't. It's more like I think that's just a bad movie. Yeah. But like at the same time, I value that someone can have their opinion. And I'm not going to say because that person liked a Nightmare on Elm Street remake, I'm not going to like take anything they say or think that they're not a true horror fan. Because I think being a true horror fan is if you say you are one, you are. Like I feel like there needs to be some – you don't need to be such a fucking asshole about it. And they also in the article talk about – people who like claim themselves to be like these big number one fans of things. Like um, they talked about when like the Ghostbusters reboot came out with like, uh, like the women in it and yeah. how people were all up in arms about that. And mostly because, I mean, I'll be honest, I watched it and I did not care for it, but I did not think it was like as bad at, like people were up in arms about that. And again, mostly a bunch of men who are like, women shouldn't be in these roles. Like they were like total dickheads. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I thought that was an okay movie. Yeah, I tried to. We it's not amazing, it. but you know, it's, it's not. But there's worse out there. Yeah, there's uh, way worse uh, movies than sure. that. Yeah, and I appreciate that they try to do something a little bit different with it. Sure, and it, yeah, the toxicity thing too. I think of the Star Wars fandom where they I brought just, that up too, which I skimmed over because I don't get yeah, it. But I disengage with like anything online about the Star Wars fandom because I'm like, I know I like 
the movies and I which ones I like and I can just go and be alone <laughs> with my fandom in that regard and not have to engage online with people who just have stupid ideas. Yeah, and it's, you know, I try to stay away from the negativity when it comes to social media. And I, I sometimes have to, like, I, I start to write something and then I delete it because like I can read if someone's like I don't think the Nightmare I'm keep going back to this but it's a good example I like yeah. the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot I'm not gonna comment and say like you're fucking stupid that was horrible I may comment and say I wasn't a big fan of it which is fine but like telling someone that they're wrong or that yeah. their opinion is shit is just like such and also why breed negativity there's so much of it out there and like why not like back to the, the golden rule if you're not going to say something nice just don't say anything at all or start your own podcast and hopefully no one will listen to you yeah there you go <laughs> I, I also find too people online too are just like that was shitty i hated it okay why why elaborate and then when you force people to do that all of a sudden they can't and you're it's like you're either just regurgitating an answer that other people said that you feel like oh, i agree with that i don't want to think too hard about this or it's like but explain your answer like they used to do in college. And then all of a sudden when you can, it's like, okay, your opinion's worthless if you can't back it up with anything, so. Yes, and I think discussion is great. Like coming on and just saying, no, horrible, or no, you're wrong. Like as opposed to saying, oh, I really liked it because of dot, dot, yes, dot. And then like giving some examples. And like, I think discussion is great. And you can, like the best discussions are between people with opposing views. Those are the most interesting discussions. So like, I'm not like, you should only talk when you agree with somebody, but yeah. like you should, you shouldn't hammer someone into the ground for something that they feel because that's how they feel. Like leave, yeah. leave them alone. <laughs> and that's the fun of critical analysis is like, uh, riffing back and forth so totally and i that's what i have loved about our podcast is i mean like teacher drew says like you're fairly open-minded although like you don't watch a lot of new stuff but it's not like you're like i'm never gonna watch it because it's shit you just are more you you prefer you have your preferences and so do i and they just happen mm -hmm. to be very different but i think that the idea of our podcast and like giving the other person things they haven't seen before is like not only expanding the movies you've seen in your lifetime but also like saying like hey maybe you didn't think you liked that but guess what you do you do like trauma even though you previously thought it was like something you never would get into yeah and that's why when we come together it makes this wonderful stew i love a good stew i love chili more than stew but it, yeah. chili is like a stew me too. It's like a kind of stew. It's just like it? it's like a it's like more of a meal than a stew. Ch chili's good. We make it fine chili when we come <laughs> together. <laughs> but teacher Drew, thank you for writing. And I, again, scaringasharing at gmail.com. And I also just wanted to say, if you write to us, I would love for you to put your pronouns in a message because so far we've been sort of just gendering people based oh, on like true. what your name is, which is not necessarily what I would like to be doing, but it's yep. the, the sort of thing that sort of naturally happens. But I would rather if you write us, let us know what your pronouns are, because I, I would hate to be misgendering you. Absolutely. So just throwing that out there. And in case anyone is wondering, my pronouns are he, him. What are yours, Jeremy? Mine are also he, him. So thank you. <laughs> and well, cool. uh, I, I did want to say back to Nightmare on Elm Street, since that came up in uh, <laughs> teacher, teacher Drew's thing, though. It's like, yeah, man, let's start a crowdfunding thing. We'll get some money. Maybe we can team up with Elijah Wood's production company, which I understand is trying to get the rights to make a new Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, oh. But I, I did want to comment, though, that Nightmare on Elm Street for me was always kind of a lesser 
like, of course, I love the original. It's a Stone Cold classic and three and New Nightmare, you know, the 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 vetted classics for everybody. But it was always kind of a lesser slasher uh, series to me because I was really into Halloween and uh, Friday the 13th series as a whole. Uh, but in recent years, like I've really started coming over to Nightmare on Elm Street where I'm like, I really got to rewatch all of them and really like get into it. Like suddenly it's speaking to me. And I don't know what happened, but you know. It's my number one and always has been and still is in regards to the slasher series. Yeah, I do think Freddy, though, is the scariest slasher for me uh, growing up. Freddy was the one that actually scared me the most. So uh, props for that. Like those are the ones that actually, you know, the original and Dream Warriors both scared the piss out of me as a kid. So Freddy stands to me as the, the great slasher. The Fred stands alone. And one other thing about Teacher Drew's message, he talks about night terrors. And I, I know we've mentioned them on here before, but like that concept still terrifies me. And mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if Teacher Drew like totally like does not have them anymore or if they happen from time to time. Because I imagine if you have them for a chunk of time in your life, I feel like you'd like go back to it unless it was representative of something going on in your life or like, do you just outgrow them or do they sporadically come back? I I thought I had heard somewhere. And and again, this could just be like old research and nobody knows anymore. But like, I thought I had read somewhere that uh, night terrors are most common in adolescence Mm. and it's got something to do with puberty and growing up and stuff. Cause I used, I had experiences with night terrors as a teenager. So the hag did she sit on your chest no not the hag but i would like wake up and be convinced there was like somebody standing in the room like with me so fucking scary and unable to you know move because i was still like sleep paralysis so i i'd had experiences with that or that there was like a creature something was there but by the time i was like well into college it kind of just stopped so the other night i i was in bed and i wasn't quite asleep and all like my eyes were kind of open and all of a sudden the bedroom door like burst open and it scared the living shit out of me because my cats every once in a while just go fucking crazy in the middle of the night and Uh like one of them just like and i don't close the door all the way because then they'll claw at it all night and drive me crazy so it's like mostly closed and one of them just like jumped on the door <laughs> and it flew open and it was so fucking scary and that like was i mean heart stopped in my chest i would be like ah killer santa <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you watch this week uh nothing i <laughs> also watched nothing i did watch a lot of i love lucy because joe was watching that for three funny ladies they did lucille ball and uh-huh. i know maybe like a little bit here and there but i watched like four episodes with him and i fucking love it now and i'm starting it from the beginning and it's just she's hilarious yeah she's great no it is similar vein uh going with broad comedy i rewatched tommy boy the other night i've Uh, never seen it is it any good i still think it's pretty funny uh some of the jokes are a little dated but it's chris farley i just miss him every time i watch uh one of his old movies where I'm like, man, what could have been? I'm sure he would have blown up to have like, he probably would have moved on to drama and been one of those guys. I was just going to say, it would have been fun to see him in something like punch drunk love, like with Adam Sandler, like something like serious. And then eventually a scary movie. I'm like fairly certain he would have gone that direction where he would have broken from comedy and done some like really interesting dramas. Had he been around long enough. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Any news or topics of interest? The one thing I saw in the news briefly was that um, Train to Busan, the remake, uh, the director- Last Train to New York. Last Train to New York. The director was talking about how um, he was saying he feels that remakes don't necessarily have to be, you know, an exact retelling of the story that came before. So it sounds like he's on board with this new version. He was just saying he hopes they make it totally their own story and i agree i feel like yeah. that's what it should be i agree too and i'm like yeah that that'd be cool i hope they uh find some some way to make it not exactly trained to busan because we already have that movie do something interesting change up what the characters are like or you know whatever yeah make it your own and that's i know we've also talked about that that like some of the best remakes are remakes of movies that weren't so great to begin with and i none are coming to mind right now but i know there are some and those sometimes are the better remakes are ones mm -hmm. either that no one really had seen the original or like taking it and making putting your own fingerprint on it or i think or the original is so old and of course the example is the thing from another world versus john carpenter's the thing where mm -hmm. like both movies are fine examples of their time period in horror like they fit uh you know because the thing from another world is very much a 50s science fiction movie monster movie and john carpenter's is absolutely an 80s horror movie so and also like the invisible man and i think elizabeth moss's is yeah. invisible man like they are and i've never seen the og but I don't think the storylines are anything alike no. whatsoever. But like the the Elizabeth Moss one probably wouldn't have happened without that one. And I think they do call it a remake, even though yes. it is very loose. But again, do that. Take mm -hmm. something and like just be like, how can I tell this in a totally different way? Like yep. that is the way to motherfucking do it. Back. That's what you do. Take the core concept and just follow the story where you want it to go, as opposed to what they did before. Totally. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, well, I'm really excited to hear what you give me this week. And if for some reason you are a first time listener, then Jeremy and I, as we've talked about, we share a scary movie with the other person and then we say what we think it's about. And then we go away for a few days and we come back and we talk about it, which for you is mere moments. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like to stop in the middle and go and watch them also, that is the fun thing to do. And I know teacher Drew's done that before. We just yeah. love teacher Drew. <laughs> so <laughs> without further ado, uh, I'm giving you, this is a big one. Oh, this is a real big, this is real big for me. So I, I know it's been on the list for a long time and I've like just never been comfortable assigning it to you because it's one of those movies that means a lot to me. So depending on how you take it, the conversation could get weird when we come back. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh -oh, uh -oh. And a, a little hint, last night at the theater, uh, Phoenix was wearing the appropriate shirt for it. And that is The Nightmare Before Christmas. A Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh my God, I'm so excited to watch it. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe I have not all these years. For some reason, that's sort of like weird, off-kilter kind of claymation animation. Yeah. I don't know what exactly you call it, but like that and Coraline. Like, I don't like Stop hate Stop motion. It. Stop I motion. I don't like yeah. hate it, but I've just never been drawn to it the way I was to like animation. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, I, I know. So Jack Pumpkinhead, no, Jack Skellington, I Skellington, think. Skellington, yes. And so I don't really know this. I know that like he wants it to always be Halloween and 
than Mary Cherry or whatever the redhead's name is. <laughs> the Mary Cherry is from Popular. Leslie Grossman, I love her. Uh, but whatever, they reference it in that I Miss You Blink-182 song. You'll be Jack or I'll be Jack and whatever her name is. Anyway, I think he wants it to always be Halloween, but everyone else wants it to be Christmas. And it's sort of, I feel like a, a, an interesting sort of, even though it's not, but I feel like it's in the vein of like the Grinch stole Christmas. Like he wants it to always be this and someone else wants it to always be something to be Christmassy. And there's a battle of the minds. And I think in the end, he's going to, you know, be like a, a, a less of a Scrooge and embrace that Halloween and Christmas can be one and the same. Cool. But I'm excited. I know it's a musical. Yeah, you'll, you'll, I think, I hopefully you'll have some fun. I think I will. I, and there's yeah. just one of them, right? Yes. Just the, just the one movie as much as Disney, since they own it, has wanted to like franchise it out into other stuff. So now, far, it's just the one movie. Originally though, Disney didn't own it. Am I correct? No, well, yes and no. It was originally put out under Touchstone, Touchstone? Pictures, I oh, think, which, which is which is, which is is owned by Disney, but that's where Disney shuffled off stuff that they didn't want associated with the Disney brand because they were worried it was too weird. Like Sister Act. Yeah, because of course <laughs> it was created by Tim Burton, but, and again, most people get confused. Tim Burton didn't actually direct this movie, though. It was like uh, a produced by he sort yeah he 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 wrote the initial concept and did character okay. designs and then handed it off to other people uh but um because he was busy coincidentally enough he was busy directing batman returns because he was in oh, the middle of that and couldn't bring that around bringing it around so yeah it was originally touchstone pictures but uh as it became mega popular disney rebranded it as disney's the nightmare before christmas so cuz i remember recently having this talk with someone and i was like it wasn't always a Disney film. Like no. like you said, like Touchstone, I always knew Disney owned Touchstone, but like yes. I didn't think the Disney name was on it. It wasn't. Until not recently. originally. Okay. Not originally. It took some years before they were like they were comfortable like integrating it into the rest of Disney proper. It's killing me now what her name is. Because he's Jack Skellington and she's Sally. Sally Sally Struthers. Jack and Sally. Jack and Sally Struthers. Yep. Cool. Yep. That's fun. Well, fun. Great. And I'm doing a little callback to last week's episode because I'm going to be like you as well. And I'm giving you things for the next couple of weeks that are winter themed as well. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give you, and this will be an interesting one for me to revisit, curtains. Curtains. Yes, we did talk about this. I know. I know this one is a... Like a lesser known slasher, I feel like its profile has like risen in recent years where uh, I know it got like a somebody did like a Blu-ray release of it a little while back and it popped up on streaming services. So all of a sudden people are like, curtains, you got to visit, revisit curtains. It's maybe Italian. Maybe it's not. It might be an American movie that had like European producers or something, but I, I want to say it's Italian and has an Italian vibe, maybe a little bit of a giallo thing going on. Um, I know it resolves or revolves around a theater because it's curtains, the curtains. And I know the only image I can think of from this movie is this weird, like old lady hag mask on the killer, I suppose, with a, I don't think it was a knife. I want to say they have like a sickle or some weird, like farming instrument as a weapon, uh, which again, makes me think it's Italian because they liked to find <laughs> weird, 
<laughs> weapons for the killer to use that are not like, like, why the fuck is that in somebody's house? You know, like in uh, Blood and Black Lace, where he's like got the suit of armor and takes the right. like, gauntlet and uses it to kill someone with the spikes on it. And you're like, what? Uh, creative, but uh, kind of a stretch. Uh, when anyway, you say Blood and Black Lace, like I immediately see strong neon reds and greens and blue like when you say the title i yep, see you it just, like boom, immediately yeah, which is really impressive i gotta say but curtains slasher movie maybe a giallo it's around a theater somebody's doing a production i bet it's kind of phantom of the opera-esque where there's a mystery person killing people to stop this production from happening and All that's right. what i think it is well i'm excited to rewatch it cool well, awesome. Well, let's watch them, and we will be back in a moment to talk about them. That's right. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. What's this? What's this? Scaring and Sharing is back from having watched <laughs> the movies. So. That's the best transition back ever. So without further ado, you know, it's uh, it's time to cover the big one there. The the hot tamale, if you yeah, will. Yeah, love tamales. The movie that I saw, like you, you, you lit Facebook on fire by posting that you were watching it. I did. And I could, <laughs> everyone's like, tell us what you thought. And I couldn't. No, you can't. And that movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas, directed by Henry Selleck, not Tim Burton, as people are always wanting to say. He simply wrote it and produced it, as we already talked about. Uh, Henry Selleck directed it. Uh, and on Letterboxd, the tagline is, this Halloween, everybody make a scene, which I guess, is that one of the taglines? I don't remember this movie even having taglines, um, but what do I know? I the description is tired of scaring humans every October 31st with the same old bag of tricks. Jack Skellington, the spindly king of Halloween town, kidnaps Santa Claus and plans to deliver shrunken heads and other ghoulish gifts to children on Christmas morning. That's a weird sentence there because it's not like he planned like, let's give them shrunken heads. Like that was just a gag that was in there. So, uh, whatever guys but as christmas approaches jack's ragdoll girlfriend sally tries to foil his misguided plans and take it away so i know you were uh, nervous about what i would think of this movie and i don't really like it <laughs> i i i had a really really strong feeling did you um, yeah but it, okay i gotta preface this by saying I haven't not watched it because I didn't think I was going to like it. I've always thought, why haven't I watched this movie? I'm sure I'm going to love it, is what I thought. Mm -hmm. And in the first seven minutes, I was like, oh my God, this is so, like, I love, this is Halloween. Love that song. I'm like, this is so magical. And like, the one thing that is undeniable is it is beautiful and artistically awesome. Like, to this day, it's like, what, over 20 years old? When was it made? Ooh. Uh, came out in 93. Yeah. So it's almost, it's almost 30 years old. Almost 30 years old, which is insane. Like, mm -hmm. I was the right age when this came out to see it. So I don't know why I didn't. So weird. Because I would have been like a, a teenager, like an early teenager. Like, that's just yeah. so bizarre. Like, I don't know. Like, so many people, since I posted on Facebook yesterday, like watching this for the first time, people are like, 
How have you not seen that? Like you? Yeah. No, it's shocking. So the few people I've talked to about not liking it, they were like, well, I, you know, it reminds me of when I watched it as a kid and stuff, but I don't think it's just that. I know it's definitely an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's one my husband shares. He tr- he wanted to watch it with me. He didn't tell me before we watched it that he had watched it and previously did not like it. He sort of slept through it, <laughs> but I think it's just because he was like, just like not into it. But like for being 75 minutes, it felt so long to me. Like I was not like enjoying the ride. I felt bored. Mm-hmm. I felt like just like not wrapped up in the story because I didn't fully like I knew exactly what the story was it wasn't like what's happening here but I didn't know like what it was saying like ultimately it's like don't try to share cultures stick to your own I don't know that feels like weird but that's kind of what happens in it. yeah that is like, sort he, of it he tries to like share cultures and I liked like because in my mind it was gonna be like the Grinch stole Christmas was like what I prophesized it was about or whatever. Nope, you were and wrong. It's like sort of the exact <laughs> opposite. Like he finds Christmas Land or whatever it's called, and he likes it and he's excited by it because he wants this change. He's sort of tired of what's happening in his life. So it's kind of like the opposite. But then he tries to bring it back to his culture, and they sort of fuck it all up. And then he sort of saves Christmas, but then they don't merge still. It's like Santa doesn't even seem like happy to be saved. He's like, thanks. I got to go like clean up your mess now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something to this story that did not like involve me. And the music, like I loved This is Halloween. I loved What's This? Is that what it's called? What's This? Yeah. Yep. I love those two songs. Love them. But so many of the other songs felt like, weird and dissonant and not like melodic which that's neither here nor there i'm not saying it's bad music it just didn't like it wasn't like some musicals where i'm like oh my god i want to go get the soundtrack i was like this is not an earworm and this like especially sally's song i just thought Mm -hmm. was bland and kind of boring and sorry sally it's like a weird thing like all of a sudden they're together at the end like the whole time she seems to be sort of into him and trying to like protect him and save him but like that relationship felt weird like all of a sudden they're like together at the end i don't know how or why it doesn't connect with me because i really wanted it to i didn't go into it with a bad attitude yeah and i was just hoping like I've been dreading this because I was like, I told you, I'm like, oh, I don't want to go in there and tell him I didn't like it. Yeah, no. And I was dreading giving you this movie because this is a movie that is like, I I can't separate myself from my childhood love of it. It's just too entwined. It'd be the same thing with like the original Star Wars movies. Like this is so ingrained in my DNA from childhood. I was seven years old, did the math when this came out. Uh, I was obsessed with it from day one because I was always the weird monster kid. So they finally made, and also mind you, it's an unpopular opinion now, but the opinion you have was not unpopular when this came out. This movie did terrible and nobody liked it because they said it was fucking weird. It's not a kid's, you know, critics didn't like it initially because it's, they're like, this is not for children, but it's not for adults. Like, and eventually like the weird kids found it. Like this was made by weird kids for weird kids. I think that's part of why it doesn't have a half, like a traditional happy ending in the sense that, you know, 
Jack fucked up Christmas and Santa's like, yeah, you're a fuck up. Stay away from my holiday. The end. Uh, and you're like, <laughs> kind of like real life. Like <laughs> there's not a lot of happy endings really. So I feel like it kind of speaks to a certain demographic. Cause I remember this movie eventually over time, by the time I was like a teenager, like in my late teens, now I might be wrong as to when this movie came out, but I feel like for the weirdo, like kind of emo goth, like falling into the weird kid outsider, like teenager clicks, it was this movie and Donnie Darko. Those were your two favorite movies because normies, mainstream normies didn't like them. Uh, and they were these cult movies that we kind of like adopted and they have. Us oh, well, I love Donnie Darko, though. Yeah, to see, that's kind of funny, but you don't like this one because those were like those were like the mandatory hot topic kid. Like you have to like these two movies. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know, man. And, and, and with the music, too. Um, and I can I can feel that from a from a mechanical standpoint, like I can separate myself a little bit and look at this thing from an objective point of view, which is story pacing this thing does not have like a through line it's like a bunch of episodic shit all strung together with the overall christmas theme uh so i get that it does feel longer than actually 70 minutes because you're like there isn't really like it's a bunch of shit that happens there's not like a continuous plot in this movie the songs yeah are weird but they're like my but i'm like the guy i listen to death metal you know and dissonant music all the time so i can understand that they're they are not traditional like musical movie musical songs like they are designed i mean danny elfman wrote all the music so of course it's weird and uh not your stereotypical show tunes kind of stuff and and that uh, yeah and the sally story because my wife says the same thing when i make does she watch this with me which is like how do they get together like that just it, they just jump to that conclusion that doesn't really okay because i felt anywhere. that but i didn't know I, I thought you were gonna be like no all these things here and here and here. Oh um, no, no, I can understand it. It's just like, it was so special to me as a kid and feeling like a weird outsider kid. Like this was just one of those cultural artifacts that was like, see, there's something out there where people are making things for me that I can grab onto and hold on to. Cause um, this was kind of like, this is like an anti-Christmas movie before that became like a popular thing to do, so. Yeah, and like given that sort of discussion, is it a Christmas movie or Halloween movie? I'm like that gif of that little that little girl's like, why not have both? And then everyone's throwing her in the air. Like yes. that's how I feel. But if that's I what had this is. if I had to choose, I would say it's a Christmas movie. Like if I had to say it can only be played on one of the two holidays, that's the one I would feel it would be more appropriate. However, I believe I read that it came out around Halloween. Yes. And, uh, and I will say too, I have watched this as like a Halloween movie, like on Halloween day itself. And I've also watched this during the Christmas season. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm more likely to push this off till Christmas time, at least post Thanksgiving. Uh, cause that's feels more appropriate. I don't know. Probably cause just plot wise, the movie begins on how the ending of Halloween and then goes forward from there. So. And I know this is maybe a little bit of a weird or nitpicky. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I find it interesting that in like Christmas Town is what I'm going to call it. There's like real human beings in there living, mm -hmm. and in Halloween Town, there's not. It's just monsters and weird. But like, shit. why aren't they the same? And I, I guess not, not that they have to be, but like in this universe, it sort of seems like each of these trees is the same thing for a different holiday. So I mm -hmm. kind of wish 
that the Christmas one was like the North Pole and all hollow, all, you know, Christmas things. It just seems like it would make more sense than to have, or if you're going to go to homes where there are human beings, that they're the same homes that the Halloween intertwined with. Yeah. And I know that's sort of nitpicky, but it's just something that crossed my mind. I'm like, wh why are there people here and not there? Sure. And but then it, it begs the question too. I don't remember what all the trees were, but I'm like, was there like a Hanukkah one in there? Cause what would Hanukkah <laughs> land be? Like, just, I mean, we didn't see one. That's for if, sure. If not but, people, then what would that be? So and you, you like have to wonder if it had been a big gigantic hit, would they have done other ones? Yeah, and shouldn't Easter land just be Jesus hanging out? Because I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess same with Christmas too. Like, why isn't he there? But you know, this is the secular version, so right, right. But I can totally appreciate it. Like, I don't watch it and say like I don't get why people don't like it. Like, I get it. I just, for whatever reason, doesn't resonate with me. And I, I'm sad that I'm not one of those people. Honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'm definitely in the minority. Like, I, I think on my post, I think, you know, 40 or 45 people commented. And I think one or two people were like, I'm not a fan. But everyone else was like, oh, my God, best movie ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I did spend years too, or like I said to it, like, I love this movie as a kid. Uh, and I felt like, like, chastised by like my peers at school. Cause everyone was always like, that's a fucking weird movie. You're stupid for liking that. And I was like, okay, well that's everybody's parents. I think deciding for them, they can't watch that thing. But um, no, I spent years like it's my movie for me. And you know, the rest of the world thought this was a giant disaster. What were they were thinking making this thing? Uh, but then years later, all of a sudden it had a big rediscovery as like a cult classic. And then I was grumpy about it. Like I looked at it before it was cool. Like, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> but I've come back around to be less gatekeepery, but I feel like, yeah, it's, it's cemented its place as a cult classic now. And going off of our conversation before the break, I still find it annoying that Disney has like scooped it up now that it's become like more popular in the world than it was at the time. Like it, that still like is annoying to me. Oh, sure. Yeah. It, it, they did the same thing too. Uh, speaking of, they did the same thing too with Roger Rabbit who framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, uh, which yeah, that wasn't Disney. It was released under touchstone pictures because uh -huh. technically Disney produced it, but they were so scared of the reaction they were going to get with it by oh. having like, an experimental kind of movie with the live action and cartoons. They had like dirty jokes in there for adults. Oh like, yeah. They were just like, no, we're going to call this touchstone. But now all the Roger rabbit branding is like Disney, Disney, Disney. And you're like, okay, you guys just waited to see that it was popular. And now you're going to claim it fully as Disney, even though it was never meant to be part of that universe. The coolest shot was definitely because you, you know, that poster shot is iconic with him standing on that little cliff. Oh, but yeah. like, I've never seen it where like the cliff sort of like unfurls or mm -hmm. uncurls. Yeah, as he walks and, like, down. That's it. just so beautiful. Like, I love yeah. that. I wasn't crazy about like the main villain. I almost wish like Sally's keeper that that would have been more fleshed out and he would have been the villain. That was actually in the original script. Oh, really? Yeah, he was going to turn out to have been the boogeyman, like, dressed up oh. in the disguise. Yep. Oh. And I don't know why in rewrites they decided not to go that way. 
I just wanted more there. Not like I liked him because, of course, you don't like him. Mm-hmm. But oh, and I also want to say this: Sally looks like May's creation in May. Yes, like the Angela Pettis movie. Yes, it's like she yeah. makes Sally, Sally. and it a hundred percent would make sense that she would have loved a Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yep, perfect crossover. <laughs> yeah, it totally, totally, totally looked like her. So yeah. Uh, I, I'm sad, saddened by this loss. I did but... think a little bit of trivia for you, too. It might explain oh, yeah. why the story is kind of wonky. Is because um, apparently this started life for some reason. Danny Elfman was tasked with writing the songs first. Okay. Before they even had a script for a story. And then they tried to build the story. And then the screenwriter had to build a story around the songs that were being written. Um, so that's a little backwards, you know, you usually don't go at it that way with a musical. So from what I understand, I also like Jack didn't seem to talk a ton. So like, why didn't he just do both voices? Why? Didn't... Yeah, I have no idea that I don't know what happened there. Cause you know, they got Chris Sarandon as the speaking voice and it's like, I mean, he's not like Tom Cruise. I mean, he's yeah. fine, but like, he's not like a name. Like yeah. A, and he's, not, he's a name. He's not a big name. Yeah, enough of a name that, but it's like you only gave him a few lines and then Danny Elfman did all the singing, which I'm not sure what happened there. I don't know if it was Chris Randon turned out he couldn't sing or something like that. Mm. And they had him and it, I, sure. I want to say I thought I had heard somewhere it was something like that or they just didn't like the takes that they got. So and Danny Elfman was like, I wrote the song, so I know them so well. Let me do it. Because he sounds great when he's singing. And yeah, he, like it's not always like. Like like a pop song or whatever. Like he sort of speaks sings a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. it's just like, why aren't you both voices? But yeah. that would make sense if that was sort of the case. They hire Chris Sarandon and then ultimately we're like, eh. But mm-hmm. as opposed to like scrapping his name altogether, probably because that would be really messy. Like yeah. if they bring in Danny Elfman and yeah. And I'm sure it was some producer decisions too, where they're like, you have to have a name because like Danny Elfman at the time was just a weird, you know, composer and not the mega star composer he is now. He was still building his uh, profile at this point in the early 90s. So, and I would have never known it was Catherine O'Hara had I not like looked it up. Oh, like, yeah. And you can't and, tell just because mul- she's so like soft spoken. Yeah. And multiple voices too, because she was also, um, oh, one of the trick or treaters, the witch one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I can't remember. Is that lock, shock, or barrel? I can't remember who's who, but she's that one, too. Okay, okay. Yeah, I also, I liked that trio, and I also kind of was hoping they were going to be, like, the main baddies. Oh, yeah, I wish they had more There's time, like, too. multiple baddies. Really. Yeah, they threw in a bunch of baddies, and none of them get enough screen time to, like, flesh yeah. out to, like, a fully... Because, you know, the boogeyman, it's like, okay, why is he, like, ostracized? Why does he hate Jack so much? Like, that's all stuff that's could have been interesting to build out some more. Yeah, but visually, great story. Eh, songs. Eh. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so, building off of... Uh, oh, and like we covered, you, um, uh, you kind of got the story right, just a little backwards. It's actually, they're sick of Halloween, want to do Christmas, so they steal it. So you had it, like backwards where they wanted to keep Halloween and get rid of Christmas. But um, and I also thought in the end they'd embrace and Halloween and Christmas could be one and the same. And that is not true. Nope. They're like, stay to your own fucking holiday holiday segregation. And finally, to build off of the description off of Letterboxd. So out of five gifted shrunken heads, uh, how many do you give it? 
I'm going to give it two and a half shrunken heads. Ooh, half of my score <laughs> up five. I up can't, five? I can't go any lower. It's oh, just wow. mandatory in my mind. Five. Well, for, for the first time in a long time, we have a... Split scream. That's a major split scream. We haven't had one of those in a long time. Yeah, at least not this bad. Usually no, they're like hinging on half a star, but I just couldn't like I knew yours was obviously gonna be above a three. I just couldn't give it a three. I can respect it enough to give it a two and a half. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't do it. I couldn't yep. give it a three. Yeah, this is this is a big one because there's a there's another one on the list too that I'm gonna have to put some distance between this episode <laughs> and when I do that one. That I'm like I'm gonna have a hard time talking about this one if he doesn't just love it. It's gonna be if rough. it's Coraline. I really want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's not Coraline. Oh, okay. Spoilers. It's not Coraline. But. After this was over, I immediately, not immediately, maybe like Joe went to bed and I wasn't quite ready to sleep. So I was like, well, let's try the corpse bride. So I put that on and like five minutes and I was like, yeah, nope. <laughs> I, the corpse bride I saw once in college, like when it came out and I remember not really thinking it was very good. So I never watched it again. I did enjoy James and the giant peach though, from what I remember. I which would was also, be curious to watch that. Which was also Henry Selick and produced by Tim Burton. So it was okay. like, con, it was kind of considered the successor to this movie. So, well, let's move on to Curtains. Curtains is from 1983, directed by Richard Siupka. I may be, I, I don't know if that's, if I'm saying that correctly, but Richie, if you're out there listening, feel free to write in and tell me how to do it correctly. Yep. Some Canadian guy. <laughs> So the tagline, six beautiful girls trying to get ahead. When the curtains fall, five will be dead. That's a better rhyme than Christmas Evil, which I still have an issue with that tagline's rhyme. Yes. And the description is, six young actresses auditioning for a movie role at a remote mansion are targeted by a mysterious masked murderer. And I already know, just based on what I just did, you're just going to say you hate this no matter what. <laughs> no no i've already decided what i'm doing with okay it, which tell is, me tell me your thoughts i didn't hate this but by god was this a cheese ball movie like <laughs> oh, seriously totally. like this is so cheesy um but for some reason i was thinking this was european i have no idea why probably because all i've ever seen is like out of context like screenshots and then like um first off first off let me say this movie has got like a million reviews out there, like contemporary, like modern reviews or not contemporary. I mean, modern reviews. Everybody's all acting like this is some undiscovered masterpiece. Like we all forgot about. And I'm like, no guys, this is a bad movie. Like, <laughs> like it's funny. Like let's rediscover it as like a fun, like midnight movie, but like this sure. is not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. Like um, as I was watching it, I was really struck by the feeling of like, this feels like a couple of really good ideas that just never got fully fleshed out. Uh, and then I read about the production where they're like the original d director, the guy whose name you just said, he shot like 45 minutes of a movie. Oh, really? And then quit the movie in the middle of production because he kept fighting creatively with the producer. Oh. Uh, and then the movie sat unfinished for like over a year. And then the producer stepped in and directed a bunch more stuff, which I apparently was all the slasher stuff. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's kind of like the movie Spookies, where it's two half-finished movies mashed together. <laughs> and that's how they made this. 
Yeah, I mean, if all of the murder scenes took the care, as the word I'm going to use, the care of that ice skating scene, there would have yes. been lots. Because that scene is so good. That I, is, it still cool creeps me out and weird. It's so weird. Like I love that. That I kind of wish that music was playing like the whole time, like that song that she's dancing or skating to. Yeah, but like. When it appears, like, and that do whole doll thing is just so fucking weird. Like, yeah, like, what is that? Why like, is that? <laughs> but when that hag is like all of a sudden just skating, and that's like my favorite slow mo. I probably mentioned it numerous times. Oh, there's a slow mo I hate and a slow mo I like. And that slow mo I love, where it's just literally time slowed down as opposed to like chop, 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 chop. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's just such a cool scene. And then it's very Friday the 13th when she's like grabbed yep. from behind the tree. Yeah, and this movie is also full of gratuitous slow motion. Let's not forget that. There's a lot of it in there. And my question, though, is like if I wasn't because I spent half this movie having to go onto the Wikipedia page and try and read the plot description because I'm like, one, can't remember anybody's name. Like, I totally forgot every <laughs> fucking character's name. So I'm like, well, who's that one again? And two, like, it's kind of hard to follow. Like, I'm trying to keep straight exactly what's going on. And I think it's the nature of the, like, it's two separate ideas chopped together. And we thought we were making a mystery, but it's really just poor, like, editing. So. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, I walked away going, this director guy, Stryker, is just a fucking dick. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie is full of, like, the horror pedigree on this thing. Because you got... What's his name? Uh, John, is it John Vernon? He played Stryker. Uh, and listeners will probably know him. He's most famous as the Dean in Animal House. Um, but he was also one of the cops in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So okay. Famous, you know, cult famous for that. Uh, you know, Michael Wincott showed up as the, uh, uh, the groundskeeper. Which was uh, so weird. Like, he was rarely said anything. He had sex a little bit. And then he was, like, dead in the hot tub. Like, yeah. Who's such a nobody character had nothing to do. Not even like put out there like, oh, maybe he's the killer. Like I never even considered that really. He was just there having sex. Yeah, for sure. And for people listening, of course, Michael Wincott was big top in the crow uh crossover ah. with another episode. But yeah, he um I read somewhere too that apparently he had a bunch more scenes with a whole bunch of stuff and it all got cut. That makes sense. So there you go. And then finally, of course, you know, you got uh what's your face um from the brood as the uh, samantha sherwood is her character name yeah Egg egger is it isn't it samantha eggers isn't that her the actress's name but uh, samantha egger yeah there you Playing go samantha and sherwood the most famous for the brood so uh a lot of horror power you know pedigree behind this thing it's just wow what a amazing disaster <laughs> and then um lynn griffin from black christmas she plays claire the one who mm -hmm. puss puss and then she gets that yeah i love her i love her hair that's like my favorite hair if i were a woman i'd want that big bushy curly hair just like hers i love it so much Ooh, and i love 70s the 80s hair yes like 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 amy irving and carrie mm -hmm. like that hair is so gorgeous to me like i love it and i love the poster for this i know we've talked about like that 80s artwork on like vhs and posters like i love the poster it was like the thing i always loved but not enough to ever rent this which is weird like as a kid i never rented it. i didn't watch this till much later in life 
but like yeah. i love that poster with the doll except for it looks like it's coming through like an old man's face as opposed to the hag like it looks like an yeah. old man but the mask is creepy the mask is cool but you know excuse me if i didn't pay attention i guess hard enough or missed this but do they explain the mask at all did it have any connection to anything or is it just a mask i mean the only time it was like sort of brought into play was during one of the rehearsals and he's like i yeah, want you this. to wear this i want you to like um i want to say molest me that's not right i want you yeah. to seduce me wearing this hag mask like don't use your real beauty you're ugly yeah. like just sort of break them down yes like the most of it but it isn't explained fully no and it's, it's kind of like confusing more so than a doll because that scene comes in after we've already seen the mask in action so it's kind of confusing as yeah. to like what they were doing like it would have been more interesting to have introduced that first and then started bringing in a killer with the mask on to be like who's the killer but instead you're just like what is happening and like where the doll comes from is that girl who has like that faux rape scene in the beginning which is yeah. so long it reminds me of a couple of scenes in the early friday the 13th films where like you just watch alice walk around a house for five minutes and you're like jesus christ is anything gonna happen like yes. that's what that scene was like it just went on and on and on and on of nothing happening and yeah. then and then this like fake rape scene which i'm just like uh, that's just weird and then uh -huh. like she gets killed and then at the like mansion do they even say like where's susie or whatever mm. they even i feel like she just doesn't show up but i don't feel like they're being like oh someone's missing i uh, <laughs> i also read online too okay so i started watching a version of this that i found that was a pair it looked like it was probably just like a dvd or vhs rip in like standard definition um it's something i saw in there and i found it online people agreed there are scenes where you can see the boom mic hanging into the shot oh at the top okay. of the screen and then i found a high definition because i was having a hard time making out like what is happening because the contrast is too dark in this version i found somebody had put an hd uh rip up um and in that version it's cropped and you can't see the boom mic were you Apparently, watching it during the daytime again, Jeremy? Yes, of course. Jesus. Um, I finished it literally <laughs> before we started recording. Um, but in the HD version, it looks like it's cropped properly for like a theatrical release. So that boom mic is suddenly gone. But I'm like, oh, wow. In certain cuts of this, you could see the boom like dropping down into the frame and staying there for a while. And then it goes away. Um, so I'm like, oh, man, I wish that was still more of that. More things like that. And I also read there's a couple scenes where shit's out of order or something like that where they're like like the first establishing shot of the mansion if you look you can see the broken window that he later falls through ah. but that hasn't happened yet so it's like out of order there's scenes like that where you uh and i missed it i read somewhere too somebody said you can see a crew member like standing in the shot in one of them in the background and accidentally like oh i have to get out of the shot so and like the bitter actress who finds the head in the toilet, she looks like Frankenfurter to me. Like once I saw it, like I couldn't get it out of my head. Ah, yeah. I just thought she looked like Tim Burton. Or Tim Burton, yeah. <laughs> Tim Burton? Curry. Tim Curry, that's his name. I was like, you made me blank. Like, who the fuck is it again? Tim Curry. <laughs> okay, but I have to go back to Nightmare Before Christmas real fast. I know it's not Tim Burton directed, but like there are some monsters in there that are like Beetlejuice monsters, aren't there? Oh, absolutely. No, he okay. he he did all the like he literally 
like drew up all these fucking characters that the like, like creature made. design was yep. like his or whatever okay yeah these were like all it was all his he had originally he was trying to make like a children's storybook i understand it so he had done like a million like edward gory or something yeah he had like a million illustrations they just turned all of that into the characters okay okay there Got you it. go there you but go. yeah back to curtains back to curtains and then like that final sort of like like you almost think that girl's gonna be the final girl when there's like that long chase chase scene which like is in this building we've never been in we've never seen this like theater whatever yeah. and like the hag just happens to be sitting in the car like i'm like oh my god <laughs> like yes but like that whole scene and i'm like who even is this girl like this is like the girl we know the least that looks yes. like other ones and but it's just yeah it's just not it reminds me of the helen shiver scene but like not good but like a similar sort of long ish long ish scene and it just ultimately doesn't really go anywhere no. and, and like, they try oh. so hard for that twist ending of like and it was just us did the killing but like both of us i guess and then the other one kills her and then goes to the asylum and then it's just like by the time i got to that point i'm like i don't give a shit movie like <laughs> like i cared a while ago but you just did too many weird things that um yeah i don't know i read a review for this like a critical review that said bizarre does not begin to describe this movie and i was like yeah that's that's accurate i wanted to call this bizarre but i'm like it's different it's there's so something else to this like it's almost it's kind of a bad movie, but it's also kind of entertaining, but it occupies, you know, it's, I don't know if it's so bad, it's good, or is it just bad? Who knows? Yeah, I, di I didn't dislike it as much as I did the time before I watched it. I don't know if I've seen it like two or three times, but the last time I watched it, I was just like, ugh, God, like, mm -hmm. get please be done. And this time I was like somewhat enjoying myself. Like, I definitely wasn't like, this is good, but like, I found it, I was entertained by it. And I still like, that ice skating scene is just so good. And I, I, I think we've talked about before, but like I love a harder scene that takes place during the daytime. And it's like the ultimate one to me. That's mm -hmm. just like broad daylight and just creepy and like in an unusual spot. And like you talked about, like that there was like a weird instrument of death. Like it's like a, what do you call that? A, yeah, a sickle, a, I think. A sickle. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah. that's what you thought. I couldn't remember if it was a scythe or a scythe scythe yeah Whatever. i don't know how I you say that i've heard it pronounced it was but and it feels like this unholy combination of like an early like a canadian era papa cronenberg movie mixed trying to mix it with a friday the 13th slasher and just getting this like fucked up result by doing that and you mentioned maybe like a giallo vibe and there is a little bit of one in there a little a bit little bit and yeah. influence for sure a little bit and i read too that the producer apparently like he started with this concept of he's like he had this high-minded concept where he wanted to make a slasher movie for adults and so i'm like okay i can see like the thriller the psychological thriller aspect of it uh but apparently he got like cold feet or changed his idea and he's like no we have to compete with like friday the 13th and the big slashers that are happening now and that's when the director was like no i'm trying to make this psychological thriller and then he left and that's why it's like okay now i'm going to insert all these the ice skating scene was created by the producer so it's like some slasher type stuff in there so yeah and i i just i gave it to you because it has a winter feel to it because it takes place yeah. in the snow so that was sort of my inspiration oh and i read the ice skating scene too apparently the actress like they made her train to ice skate even though she didn't know how to do it and then she hurt herself shooting the scene 
so then they just did it with a body double. And then I read that the body double was both the hag and her. Oh my god. So like it's like she's chasing herself, really. Yeah. Oh god. What a crazy like reading the production, I'm like, okay, guys, somebody make a documentary about the making of this movie because it sounds interesting. So um, yeah. Well, out of five sad-faced weird dolls, <laughs> how many do you give curtains? Yeah, I give this one a two and a half because it was I almost went a little higher, but it didn't make me like laugh enough. Like there wasn't enough of that bad good. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was still enjoyable and I feel like I would probably visit this again. Like this is definitely going in the list of like when I have friends and we talk about weird cheesy movies. I'm gonna be like, if you've not seen curtains, you gotta sit through curtains at least once because this thing is bizarre as hell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I feel like in the right environment, like if I saw this as like a midnight movie screening in like a theater, I bet it's a lot more like fun with the energy of other people that are there to watch this thing. But yeah, it felt a little like longish and just weird. Yeah. I give it two and a half as well, which means you no. can go ahead and throw it on the slash heap. Throw that motherfucker on the slash heap. Yep. Just right on that heap. Maybe yeah. check it out. Maybe not. That's you know what? It's your life. You do what you want. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, I do what I want. Uh, you know, I was just thinking last night too, uh, as we're wrapping this episode up. Uh, remember in this show when we used to like try and find connections between the movies? Oh yeah. And That's I was like, difficult. we haven't we haven't done that since like episode twelve or something. Why do you have like, one here? No, not at all. I just like remembered that. I was like, yeah, that used to be a thing we tried to do. It was just so hard. We just stopped doing that. Like guys, I like so. sometimes that naturally happens. Naturally, yeah. If there's any listeners that have listened to every episode and are wondering, when, <laughs> when did you guys stop doing that or can tell us one? I don't remember, but for some reason I thought of that. And sometimes I think we just bring it up because sometimes it is sort of obvious. Yeah, this but... movie, I've got nothing. Nope. nope. But it was fun and I'm glad I can finally say I've watched A Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I have. And I'm not looking forward to going out and disappointing all those people. I like to make people happy, Jeremy. I know you do, but you just can't stop yourself. I think <laughs> deep down inside, there's a part of you that the Grinchy part likes to ruin their fun. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I do know next episode, you're going to get something weird. And I'm excited for what I'm going to give you the next episode. And then we have a very special guest for our 60th. Yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting. Uh, I'm super pumped. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, so oh, cool. keep, well, keep on listening. Yep, go buy Christmas presents and whatever you do, don't forget to hail Paymon. And you know what, guys? Uh, death to Videodrome. Long live the new flesh. Keep talking about those scary movies. Keep watching them. Keep telling everyone what to watch, what not to watch. And tell us, most importantly. Yeah. Scaring is sharing at gmail.com. Yeah, because scaring is sharing. Duh. Duh. <laughs> All right, we'll, well see you next time. That's it. Bye, guys. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.